I really started to explore what does this mean to me? What is it that I want out of life? And how do I want to approach this? And that's where it really was the deep search into what are my sexual values? What is it I want? Ultimately, I'm an experimentalist. It's what I do. I want a variety of different situations. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 222. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a beautiful interview with Chris. She is super vulnerable with us, and we have an amazing conversation about consent, infidelity, and her journey through non-monogamy. Yeah. Again, thank you, uh, Chris, for coming on and sharing and being vulnerable. And uh, we're really excited to get the story out there. One thing we did want to make sure to let everybody know, and this was actually kind of surprising to us. After we got done recording, we asked Chris, like, were, were, were all of those pseudonyms in how she kept them all straight with all of the different pseudonyms throughout this story is pretty impressive. So uh, just wanted to make that clear to everybody because we know there's a lot of talk about other people and names, uh, names and everything. And so, yes. Everybody here uh, is pseudonymed up, mm-hmm. and so we just wanted to make that clear. So thank you again, Chris, for coming on. We're uh, excited. And actually, next week, um, a little spoiler alert, we interview Brooke, who Chris talks about as one of her metamors or her metamor, and so we have that conversation next week coming to you as well. So look forward Stay to that tuned, one. Stay tuned, but first, listen today. Yeah, well, of course, <laughs> you can't listen next week without listening today. You're already here. You might as well just continue on. Right. Before we jump into the show, we do have a couple of quick announcements. First up, per usual, a huge shout out. Thank you to our Patreon community. We're incredibly thankful for each and every one of you. If you're out there looking for a community, we'd highly recommend you check it out. We have an ongoing Mimi chat, monthly Q&As, and a men's group and a women's group. Yeah. I will just echo Emma's gratitude. Um, it's been a lot of fun lately. We've been there's It's been growing, and people have been super engaged, and just amazing, amazing people. So thank you all who are part of it. And thank you to anybody who uh, checks out and joins. So we to hope find, to see you there. To find out more information, go to our website, Normalizing Non-Monogamy, and click on the Patreon button. Normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Oh, I think they'd figure that out. Sorry. Well, you never know. You, <laughs> you got to get them to the right. The you right. can just Google Normalizing Non-Monogamy. It'll take you right there. Sure. <laughs> Anyway, we also have a bunch of virtual events coming up. The first is this Saturday, that's February 12th. We have a virtual meet and greet, and we have another one on February 24th. Just a quick thing, these virtual meet and greets and these virtual events are not for the Patreon community specific. Very good clarification. They're open to anybody and everybody as long as you're awesome and open-minded and respectful and kind and amazing. Yes, We also have an upcoming trivia event that we're... Virtual trivia. Yes, that we're super pumped about. And that's going to be on March 4th. And we're going to partner with Sporkle. Yeah. So if you're not familiar, uh, we used to to go to bar trivia a lot when we were in the before times. And (laughs) a lot of those events were hosted by Sporkle. And we started doing some of their virtual trivia over the throughout the pandemic. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. And so we kind of partnered with them. We reached out and we can like host our own game uh, and have one of their hosts come in and basically moderate the whole thing and do the questions and the music and everything. And bonus, what's super awesome about this, in exchanging emails with them, uh, we found out that the host of our game is actually non-monogamous herself. And so everybody in the room will be open-minded and affirming. So it's a safe space to be um, doing trivia, meeting people. We're going to do like a little bit of a meet and greet at the beginning for like a half hour, an hour worth of trivia, and then hang around afterwards for some mingling. Yes. If you're interested in signing up for those events, go to our website, Normalizing Nominee. Nomenomena. Normalizing nomenogamy.com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Click on the community events tab and all of the information is there. We also have a bunch 
when I say a bunch, four. We also have four upcoming in-person events in California coming up at the end of March and early April, both in San Francisco and San Diego. So we're really pumped about those and would love for you to come check them out. To find those, you go back to our website, namanamanamana.com. <laughs> Way to be helpful. <laughs> Normalizingnonmonogamy.com and you click on the community events and then on the in-person events and you will find all of the information for all the different events there. And hey, a quick shout out to anybody and everybody who came to our New Orleans meet and greet last night. Two, okay, two, two nights ago two nights when ago. this publishes. Don't, don't tell them that we're <laughs> recording this ahead of time. <laughs> It was actually last night for us, but two nights ago for you listening to this, and it was amazing. It was awesome. We had about 30, 35 people and just had a great time. And I want to say I was pretty impressed with like the vaccine cards. Everybody was like showing them off and then masking up. Like It was awesome. So thank you to everybody who came and made that event feel amazing. Uh, We're super excited and just grateful to all of you. Yeah. And it's probably, I mean, it was interesting because we're part in New Orleans and that was part of the city mandates. So yep. Yeah, it yeah. was it was amazing, and we had so much fun meeting all of you. Yes, and the last quick thing we want to just throw out there before we jump into the interview is that Emma and I did uh, about an hour-long video interview with Axel from episode 175 a couple of weeks ago for his uh, Rethinking Relationship Summit. That summit will be live next week on the 12th to the 14th. Nope, 14th to the 16th. That's what I was saying. On the 14th to the 16th. Of February 2022. Of February. So basically in a week. And if you want to check that out, it is a free summit during the time that the summit is happening. Uh, There's a bunch of awesome speakers, including ourselves. And uh, we'd just love you to check it out. And there are links in the show notes. Again, um, head over to our website and you can click on the podcast tab or in the podcast show notes of your podcast player. Uh, You will see show notes for this episode and other episodes that we've done with photos of the guests and links to all of the resources we talk about. Yes. Also, while you're over on our website, we'd love for you to reach out to us, contact us, send us a voicemail, send us an email. If you want to come on the show or if you have any feedback for us, we would love to hear from you. And with that, let's go talk to Chris and we will see you on the other side. Let's go. Well, welcome, Chris, to the show. We're excited to have you here. We can't wait to dive in and hear your story. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to do this. My story um, is very interesting, at least in my opinion, it's interesting. Um, I'm going to start with kind of my journey into non-monogamy. We'll just start Mm -hmm. with that. And so I actually, as of right now, I identify as a bisexual polyamorous woman. I have two partners. Um, Brad is my partner who I've had for about 15 months now. And I have another partner, Sam, who I've been really good friends with for three years. And recently we decided to open our relationship into uh, more than just friendship. And so um, Sam is a woman. And so just to make sure we understand that. Um, I also, so Brad, I also need to clarify his other partner, Brooke and I are, have developed into an extremely close friendship. And so that's part of my story as well as once we get into that. But let me start by backing up and saying, um, I believe I've been polyamorous since honestly, since my early twenties, I'm originally from Minnesota. I joined the air force when I was 16 years old and I left for basic training when I was 18, moved to England, lived in England for five years where I met my husband, my first husband. And then we ultimately moved to Utah and I was married to him for 17 years total. Um, I was not necessarily the best wife while I was married. Let's just put it that way. And so after um, I went through bouts of infidelity, I guess you would say. And after 12 years of marriage, he approached me to say, why don't we open our relationship and look into swinging? I was honestly very hesitant to do it because I didn't I was nervous about what that would actually mean from our long-term marriage, Um, but ultimately he talked me into it. And once we started, I loved it, to be honest with you. Um, We dated some couples, as you probably normal people do, right? Normal couples do. 
And then well, normal is a relative term, right? <laughs> normal in the non-monogamy world, right? Of, of swinging, let's put it that way. Um, we ended up meeting this couple, Mark and Christy, and Al, Al fell hard for Christy, very hard. Um, over the and next, just to clarify, Al is your first husband. Is my first husband. Sorry. So. Um, when I say fell hard, we ended up spending pretty much every weekend with them and their kids and did, we went on trips together. We basically did everything that we could together, parties, all of that. Um, on my wedding anniversary, my 17th wedding anniversary, he asked me for a divorce and five months later, he moved in with Christy. Her husband, Mark, moved out on July 31st. Al moved in August 1st. So as you can imagine, the friendship I had with Christy dissipated at that point. And then we just kind of went through a very interesting custody situation as we were trying to navigate through that. Um, So... I have to go through the whole story, so I do apologize. No, um, no apology needed. October of twenty or of two thousand eight. So Al moved out August of two thousand eight. October two thousand eight. I started dating uh, Brandon, which is important because. Well, now let me rephrase that. I started as a friends with benefits with Brandon. Six months later, we actually started dating, and in October of two thousand nine, I found out I was pregnant by his baby. Now, why this is important is because my two older children that I had with Al were adopted. So I have Gabriella, who is of Hispanic nature, and I have Dante, whose birth parents are from Africa. And then all of a sudden, I'm now having my own biological child. In January of 2010, Gabriella, who was eight at the time, suffered a stroke. She had what's called an arterial venous malformation in her brain, and she then ended up spending two months in the hospital, in a children's hospital, and then finally was able to be released, and then we had intense therapy and everything else after that. I was seven months pregnant at the time when she got released, and I made the difficult decision to break up with Brandon. He decided um, the next month he wanted nothing to do with the baby, and so I was now facing single parenthood. So um, so I am now a single parent of three kids and trying to decide what life's going to be from there. I uh, continued, you know, as I have the baby, life happens, blah, blah, blah. I started trying to date in the uh, regular dating realms of Match.com, which is ridiculous in my opinion, and then ultimately switched back over to my preferred source, which was Swingular, and I would find different people to date um, on Swingular, and ultimately, when Isaac was 18 months old, his dad died in a very tragic accident. And so that was in October of 2011. And so that was, and that's the baby that you had. That's the baby. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Gabriella is my oldest, then Dante, and then Isaac. So Isaac is my biological child I've been raising on my own since he was born. Mm -hmm. His father died. Um, Two months later, I met someone on Swingular um, who ultimately ended up becoming my second husband, uh, Barry. And six months after dating him, I asked him to move in with me. And in September of 2013, he proposed, and against my better thought and judgment, I said yes. And we got married. We had an open relationship. Um, from the beginning, because we both knew we were into non-monogamy. Ultimately, he did not realize that ethical non-monogamy meant you shared what was going on, and we did not have a don't-ask-don't-tell relationship. And after the fourth time of realizing what was happening, I ended up kicking him out. That happened in December of 2015, which is important because... Ten days before I kicked him out, Gabriella's birth parents moved in with me. 
So I now now have Gabriella's birth family, um, her birth mom and her boyfriend and their daughter, who is six weeks younger than Isaac. Um, So her birth mom and I were pregnant at exactly the same time. And they moved in with me. So for two and a half years, I had my daughter's birth family living with me. And a cultural, like I said, Gabrielle is Hispanic, so cultural differences that I'm going through. And it was during that time that in order to meet my sexual needs, for lack of a better word, I became the unicorn for couples. So I deliberately sought out any couples on Swingular looking for a third. And I developed a very good method of ensuring they knew what I was there for. I knew what they were looking for and we would have fun and that would be the extent of it. And um, (laughs) I never shared any of this with my roommates at the time, as you probably could imagine. How do you explain to your daughter's birth mom what you're going to do? So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. They ultimately ended up moving on after two and a half years. They found a different place to live. They moved on. I had another roommate that moved in with me, which was very interesting because he was actually one of the people, him and his wife were one of the couples that I had had a unicorn situation with. They ended up breaking up. He ended to, had to have a place to stay. He moved in with me, lived with me for about 15 months. And then when he moved out, January of 2020, I said, I, I've had enough of roommates. I'm kind of done. Um, and that's when I decided I want to get back into the to my dating, what is for me, what I'm looking for. So during the time that Gabriella's birth parents lived with me, I went through and developed my own personal values of what I want out of life, as well as my sexual values. My number one sexual value I determined was I will only practice ethical non-monogamy. I will never go back to what I was when I was married the first time. And so that was my number one thing. I ended up putting all of this information, all of my ethical values on my site. And it was very interesting. I started attracting a much, much different group of guys, for lack of a better word, um, and couples, to be honest with you. In June of 2020, I ended up meeting Robert, who ended up being my partner for about 18 months. We recently de-escalated our relationship, and that was because he is a physician. And as you know, with COVID happening as it is, it ends up being a little bit of a risky situation for him that he didn't want to be around too many people. So we de-escalated down to friendship. Um, Robert was very much into polyandry, if you know what that is. And But do you mind explaining just for anyone who's listening who may not? Yeah, sure, so sure. polyandry is more where he had it was really truly a fetish for him, for him to have his excitement he had to hear about my escapades with other men, for lack of a better word. He really loved the idea of me having two partners or more so that he could hear about that during a sexual situation. And that would get him very excited and ultimately to an orgasmic Mm -hmm. end. He did not care about having another partner for himself. It was much more about him or for me to have other people in my life. Um, So that was a very interesting, I'd never been in that situation before. That was very interesting to go through that. We actually met for about four times before he went into complete lockdown because of COVID. And then once we were vaccinated, we were able to see each other again. And so very interesting relationship, I'll just say that. I met Brad in October of 2020, and we actually met off of a um, polyamory site on Facebook, and we started talking from there, and things just took off, and um, we've been together ever since. Brad met Brooke in January of 2021, and then 
I actually met Brooke in March at her husband's birthday party, and we became extremely good friends. And I am establishing a life coaching business. And I actually worked with Brooke life coaching, doing life coaching with her in her philosophy of how to approach this relationship and how to work with Brad and how to work with me, in all honesty. She had a lot of trauma from previous metas, and we really talked through that, her and I, what a situation should look like if we are going to be joint partners with Brad. So there you go. That's my story. Now ask all the questions. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That was so much. Uh, And so detailed, like the dates, like, thank you for adding all of that and going through it like you did, because it really gives context and helps us, helps the listeners go through the timeline. So um, thank you for being specific about all the dates and everything. That's, That's really helpful. Well, I was so before your your first husband brought up non monogamy to you. You said you like, for lack of a better word, like you you had bouts of infidelity and you were going about it that way. Had you ever like heard of like this ethical approach, like swinging or polyamory, or was this just like you were you were kind of you obviously had interests or needs that weren't being fulfilled, and you didn't like know how to do that, or I guess like what was sort of your foundation for all of this, like leading up to that point? So I, to answer the question about, have I heard about swinging? Yes. I grew up in a very interesting household. My dad would talk about, it was very open conversation about sex to the point. My dad would actually put a, um, porn VHS movie in and say, whoever doesn't watch, want to watch this, go to bed now. And my mom would go to bed. And then the rest of us would sit around and go, huh, how about that? I grew up with Playboy and Penthouse on the coffee table. Um, There was condoms in a container that we would always grab as we went out the door so that we would have them. It was a very open from that perspective, sexual kind of environment. Um, My dad talked a lot about what swinging meant and how that was an okay situation. My mom would cringe and walk away at even the idea. She was a quote unquote good Christian woman and there was no way she was going to have that. I being in the air force, both of us, both Al and I in the air force, they do not encourage obviously this type of situation. And so infidelity, if you are identified can be at the time could be subject to, um, punishment for lack of a better word. Right. So you kept it pretty quiet. I did not know how to approach it with him to say, this is what I want to do. I Mm -hmm. had no idea. We did not have a very respectful marriage in the sense of I could talk to him about things openly. It was his idea or it was difficult. Right. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You mentioned one other thing that I was just curious about. Like you had said that you were really hesitant to get into swinging because of what, what it might mean for your marriage or what it might mean for that relationship. And, and like, I, I don't know of a better way other than saying hypocrite, but like, like you, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yes. Right. And so I'm just curious, like, would you be willing to talk about that? Like Ah, that, that dynamic? Yeah. Yeah. So I had three specific bouts I call them bouts for lack of a better word during my 17 years that I was married. Well, even before when Al mentioned it. So three different times where I went through a period of um, infidelity. So I would, I didn't really have affairs. I had one night stands. That's what I was after. And so I would meet someone, I would have sex and then I would have the guilt that would happen. Usually I would go through a little, uh, I don't know, a couple of months of this, let's just say. 
And then I would have the guilt that would happen. And once the guilt set in, then I would step back and go, I can't do this anymore. And then it would be about mm, five years, sometimes seven years in between until finally it like built up for lack of better word. And then I was like, okay, I need a release again. Um, usually that happened with something that was corresponding in our life. So when Al got out of the Air Force, for a great example, life changed dramatically for us. He lost his identity. His identity was very much wrapped up in the military. And he then started trying to control what was happening with me. Um, We went through four years of infertility treatment. That was another time where I really struggled because once again, I was out of control. And so I sought control anywhere I could in my life. Mm -hmm. And doing this was an area of control for me, for lack of a better word. Um, I will say that once once Al did move out, I made the promise to myself, I would never do this again. I would never have non-ethical situations. And I have kept that promise. And so Mm -hmm. every partner that I am with, I tell them specifically everything that I am doing so that I do not violate that promise to myself. And when you say hypocrite, believe you me, I've gone through this multiple times in my mind to be able to say, how could I have done, how could I have said that, but yet turn around and done the behavior I did? And I don't know. I don't know the answer. But that's the way I felt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, and I appreciate the vulnerability. Like, that's a really hard thing to admit and to, to, like, come back to. So thank you for answering that. And I just maybe one quick clarification. Did did you ultimately, like, did Al know about the infidelities? And that was sort of what led him to the, like, well, hey, like, if this keeps happening, like, why don't we do this together? Was that sort of his sort of thought process on that? Okay. Yes. Yeah, he did. So it's very interesting. Like our entire marriage, I pushed him to have a quote unquote girlfriend. He always had at least one, if not two women that he would hang out with. So when I worked, I worked shift work when I was in the air force, I went to school full time at the same time. We were rarely together, to be honest with you. So I encouraged him to have a girlfriend to come over to hang out with him, to do whatever. He never had the infidelity, but I was trying to push that on him without communicating, this would be a great idea for you to have this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like maybe you didn't have or didn't know the language around that to use with him at that time too. Or the emotional intelligence yeah. to be able to have that conversation. Yes. Right. Sure. Right. Sure. Uh, and then, so when he brought up swinging to you and you were hesitant, like how did you two navigate that to get to where you did start going out and meeting people? He was the one who really pushed it. And he was the one who set up the sites. I, I kind of joke in any couple relationship, there's always the pimp for lack of better word, (laughs) who's going to be the one who talks to everybody who seeks the other couples or, or women or whatever they're looking for. And that was Al's role. He was Mm -hmm. the one who would say, Hey, I found this couple. We're going to go have dinner with them Saturday night. Um, You need to read their profile. You need to know about them. At the time I was, let me think. At the time I was busy starting a new department for work, I was that was my focus. And so I just went along with whatever he said. And mm-hmm. so I was trying to um, move closer to home. We were adopting our second child, right? All of that was going on. And he was happy with this. I let him run with it. And mm-hmm. I just went along with whatever he said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so those first experiences with Al were only with couples then from for that time period. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He never wanted to do anything from like a unicorn hunting perspective. He didn't want that. He did try and push for um a situation of like a MFM, male, female, male, threesome type situation. It never interested me. 
So I would push back a little bit on that situation. Mm -hmm. Um, We did do, you know, we started with obviously the soft swap, like a lot of people do, and then kind of moved into different realms from there. Al was never truly comfortable with any of the swinging situations until he met Christy, Mark and Christy. And that's when it really, he really settled into that. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing you, you also said was that like you, you said that ultimately you really did enjoy the swinging dynamic, right? Like you said I think you said that. I'm sorry if, if I misheard no, that. You're absolutely right. I do. Okay. I do. And so and- what was the what was the shift for you? Like cause you said like, oh, I was just gonna go along with it and you went along with it. But somewhere along the way, like I imagine it clicked like, oh well, this actually kind of works. Like what was that shift like? Well, I think the shift was more of, I get to have that thing I really like, which could be the one night stands. Mm -hmm. I don't have to have the emotional connection. Um, I realized over time, I'm very much a mega sexual. And if anybody doesn't know that, I can define it. But you have the scale, almost like a spectrum. At one end is the demisexual where you need the emotional connection to have the sexual connection as well. At the other end is the megasexual where you don't need an emotional connection and you're totally okay with having sex and it really doesn't mean much and the emotional connection comes later. That was me. And I ultimately realized that, and it was after I had been divorced, but I ultimately realized it makes sense why I enjoyed one night stands so much. I didn't need an emotional connection. I just wanted, I don't know. I don't know what I wanted. I'll be honest with you. I enjoyed the thrill. Maybe that's what it was. I enjoyed the thrill. Swinging is sometimes like that. You enjoy the thrill of meeting a new couple and everybody has a story. And my job was to learn their story. That's the way I approached it. Al was pretty quiet. I was very, I still am very extroverted. And so I would do a lot of the talking, trying to get to know people and get him to settle and be okay, if that's a good way of putting it. That was my role in the situation. And then once we were good, we could do this. Um, what ended up happening a lot of times, which is a very interesting situation, is I didn't do things correctly according to him. So the criticism would come after we had a situation with a couple. Then I would be told the variety of things that I had done wrong or said wrong or whatever happened. So that's when a lot of times the thrill of swinging didn't really happen. If that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I just, I just want to maybe just comment to me, like for, for me, like the, the, something that's really interesting is like the pattern of like, there was the infidelity and then you didn't want to do swinging and he kind of like pushed it to happen and then you get into it and he doesn't really like it. And then you're like, you're the, the communicate. Well, he's the one setting it up, but then you go on the date and he's really quiet and you're the one like making all the right. conversation happen. Like uh-huh. it's such an interesting, like you two are like pushing and pulling and pushing and pulling like the whole time. And it's just, and then it ends up with the Mark and Christie situation yes. and him moving in with her and all of that. Like there's, it's just so much push and pull. That's crazy. You described uh, our entire 17 year marriage. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I should do this for a living. <laughs> oh my lord! I appreciate the vulnerability, Chris. It's 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 refreshing and very much appreciated. Um, something yeah. you go. Something that just dawned on me with you know, what you're saying is what you enjoy as the mega as a mega sexual. Um, it kind of makes sense too as you're describing your life, especially over the last. 15 years, there's been some pretty huge changes, like all of the time in your life and big things that are happening. So it feels like, I don't know, it makes sense that you would, the one night stand model would work for you because you get control in those situations. You get a release in those situations and connection with that person for that time. But you also have so many other things going on in your life that you don't have to put that much focus on it, but you still get the benefits. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You're absolutely correct. So, you know, what's interesting is during the time I was married to 
Barry, for example, I started a second business. So I not only have my 18-month-old, my daughter who is still in therapy because of her stroke, and Dante who's doing competitive cheer, I now start a business where I'm teaching at night as well. So now I have a full-time job and then I teach at night two nights a week and on the weekend often, and I have a new relationship I'm trying to do. So, And three kids. <laughs> and three kids, yes. So it becomes one of those, if I could just meet and have fun and not develop the relationships per se, it fit really well in my life. Yeah. 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 And when did the shift, like I know when, how, sorry, how did the how did the shift to the I guess more of a polyamorous dynamic like that that's sort of counter to the one night stands like coming in with a, a long term polyamorous relationship with with Brad or Robert or additional partners along the way like that 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 runs counter to what we've just been talking about that sort of feeds you. It did feed me. That's the difference. I really started to explore what does this mean to me? What is it that I want out of life? And how do I want to approach this? And that's where it really was the deep search into what are my sexual values? What is it I want? Ultimately, I'm an experimentalist. It's what I do. I want a variety of different situations. And what happened was when I met... Well, when I met Robert, he was really more into the the polyamory relationship, per se. When I met Brad, Brad is also very much an experimentalist. So don't think that the swinging is done, because it's not. So Brad is my swinging partner as well. So we actually are involved in a local group where we actually help host parties um, every two months. And that's part of my party planning. We get it all set up. You know, we do all that type of thing. Um, So it definitely is experimentalist side. I just get tired of (laughs) the the single men, for lack of better word, right? I have a term. um, I call them stupid ass effing single guys. Okay. And that's what they really are. And some of them, some of the single men are great. And there's a lot that are ridiculous and I get tired of it. And so that's part of where it becomes, I'm just, my, my emotional maturity has changed to where I'm realizing what I really want out of life. And that one night stand is not necessarily what it is. Right. And so the having sort of a longer term partner that you can then swing with other couples, that that's a better fit than like constantly trying to find a single guy to hook up with. Correct. Got it. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And a very endearing term, by the way, for the single single guy. <laughs> I will, I will just, as a disclaimer, say that is not our term for them. So that is, please, please well, send out hate mail to Chris. Uh, that yes, would be please do. You know, and, and I went through a period of time where I wanted to educate single men on how they could navigate this lifestyle effectively. And I wish more of them would listen because they really can be effective in mm-hmm. this lifestyle. There is a role for them. And not only with a single woman, but with other couples, with, um, you know, part of this group that we belong to, they actually set up gangbangs for any men who are interested in being part of that. They have a role if they can do it appropriately. And that's the problem is trying to get men to understand what does appropriate mean. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think. I, I get what you mean by like they have a role, um, but also like they're also people too, right? Like they like they they're coming in and having a need and and wants and desires. And I think we we talk a lot with other couples about this, like the whether it's a single female or a single male, like the responsibility we all have to them to treat them as if they were, uh, you know, humans. And I think the thing that happens sometimes, and we saw we have seen this 
that it's easy for them, for other people to then treat you like you're not a human, right? Like we've, we've done the, like, you reach out to a single male and the response is like, Hey baby, you want to fuck tonight? And you're like, okay. And we're done. Like that's exactly it. Yes. Right. And so like in that sense, it's like, okay, they're not treating us (laughs) like we're human. And so we kind of, so like there's been times where like, and all right, well, yeah, have a good night. Like this conversation just ended like three words in. So I think I, I think I know what you're getting at with that. And and, well, yeah, I, I will say this. So part of my personal values is I will respond to every email on Swingular. So if somebody reaches out to me, I will respond to them. And if the guy responds with, (laughs) my favorite is, so what are you wearing tonight? Um, A Minnesota Viking sweatshirt and sweats. Is that turn you on? (laughs) I I mean, I just, and like, please understand, get to know me first before you ask what I'm wearing. I literally will say that in my email back to them. And trying to educate a little bit, you're going to have a lot more luck if you put a little more effort into it. My responses are not quick, easy responses. I put time into it when when I respond to every email that I respond to. A lot of times I end up with great friends. Sometimes nothing happens. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And one, one thing maybe along the same thread that you, you mentioned was you, you developed a system or a process as the quote unquote unicorn for vetting. <laughs> for, I was going to bring up the same thing. Yeah, yeah. For vetting couples or other men, like I would love to hear what your system was. Well, and a little, maybe a little bit about that journey. Yeah. too as a because you sounds like for a little while that was that was your your my uh, out explore, yeah you're out your exploration yeah right so when i got divorced from al i did not want to jump into another relationship i am a big believer in the rule that you take one month for every year you were with somebody before you get into another relationship so what that told me is I needed to have 19 months before I jumped into a relationship again. So my goal was to be able to say, I want to meet people, I want to have some fun, but I will not be committed per se. Now, obviously, I broke that with Brandon, but we'll get into that in a minute. Um, so what I did is I actually would approach, as couples would approach me, I generally don't approach them, I would discuss what is it you want to have. Describe what your situation, your ideal situation is with having a third person. Are you looking for a one night? Are you looking for a repeated type situation? Um, I need to talk to both of you to know that both of you are into this. I do not do surprises. Um, what is it that you're interested in from, is it a bisexual type situation? Is is the wife looking to explore? Is it just the man who wants to be the middle person? Or are you looking more for an equal triangle? So once I understood what they were looking for, then we would say, okay, let's go have dinner because you have to be able to be comfortable with me to be able to say this is going to be okay. Um, I also made sure, this is a rather funny thing, I would often say, being from Minnesota and a farm girl, we grow them big and strong in Minnesota. So I'm not the Utah petite little thing, so you have to be aware of that. And that would often turn some of them away. And they'd be like, oh, no, we want the, what is it, the weight height proportion, right? Mm -hmm. And so that alone would be like, okay, never mind, you're good. You can move on and find that other person you're looking for. Um, so it was often a lot of conversation back and forth through email. It would then turn to phone, and I would have a phone conversation with them, and then I would meet them in person. And then we would go from there. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You said you had mentioned Brandon, and I wanted you said we'll get back to that, and I just wanted to <laughs> do that if you, if you want to share more, you don't have to. Oh, absolutely, Brandon was very interesting because I actually met Brandon before I even got. Well, no, let me rephrase that. I virtually met Brandon before I even got divorced from Al. 
Um, I used to play around in the Yahoo chat rooms a long time. That just kind of dates me right there. Yahoo <laughs> chat rooms. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I played around in the chat rooms quite often. And that's where I actually met Brandon and we would talk quite often, set up times where we were going to go meet. We never did. He chickened out. And so ultimately when I got divorced, he was getting divorced and that's where we kind of came together. We also had an open relationship. Um, again, it was not done well from my part because I did not communicate well with him what my expectations were about learning what he was planning on doing. So he was the one who would go find other partners and then tell me afterwards, hey, by the way, I did this. And I'm like, okay, but you could have told me before. So we had a little bit of difficulty there. I ultimately ended up getting Brandon diagnosed with bipolar uh, disorder. He uh, was very out of control um, with bipolar and got him on medication. And unfortunately for Brandon, he believed if one pill was good, then three must be better. So he would often over-medicate and be in a really bad situation. So it made our relationship really difficult, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, there were several times I wanted to break up with him. I just didn't know how to effectively de-escalate a relationship. And it was difficult until finally I hit my breaking point when I was in the hospital with Gabriella trying to figure out what to do with this new baby that was coming and really honestly really, really realized I couldn't do it with him. And that's when I made the decision I had to be, I had to end the relationship and it was hard. Yeah. yeah that's super hard. Yeah. That's yeah. incredibly difficult. Um, especially when you're expecting the baby in two months. <laughs> like, oh. um, but yeah, it, it sounds like, you know, the decisions that you've made throughout your life don't sound like, just quick decisions. You put a lot of thought and energy and sit on things and really think through things to make the right decision for you. Um, you know, you've explored a lot of different uh, forms of non-monogamy and relationships. Yes. Um, how have you seen yourself grow over the last 15 years of doing that? Oh my gosh. So I have been divorced from Al. It's been 13, almost 13 and a half years. I would say I'm dramatically different from where I was when I got divorced. There's no doubt about it. The 15 year difference. Oh my gosh. So unbelievably different. Um, now I would say I am, I'm direct in my relationships. I do this thing that I highly encourage everyone to do, which is every three months we have a check-in to be able to say what's happening in our relationship. Are we on track with where we want to go? Is there anything we want to do to improve? What are our relationship goals that we want to have? And every three months, whether Brad knows it or not, that I, I have those conversations with him. Sometimes I wonder if he even realizes we're doing it. But <laughs> I, um, I actually have encouraged Brooke to do it with Brad as well. And then she actually comes back and tells me how their, how their conversation went and what happens. I also have recommended to everybody to have a place where you talk. And so I identified those places um, for Brad and I, as well as for Sam and I. And where do, where do we talk where we feel very comfortable and that they feel safe? That's a big thing for me is safety. I did not feel safe in my first marriage having the conversation with him, as you described the push and pull that we tend to have. So it's very important for me in all my relationships now to have the safety and have effective communication. That's mm -hmm. a big thing. Um, I say the things that they don't necessarily want to hear. I will bring up those tough topics. And I actually really thoroughly enjoy deep conversation. And the deeper, when I say deep conversation, it's the tough topics of a relationship or the tough topics of what I'm going through with 
Gabriella, who's now 20, who only has half a brain, who can't use her left side of her body, who developed autism post-stroke, who I don't know what life's going to bring for her and if she's ever going to live on her own. Those conversations. And what does that mean for me? And what does that mean as a potential partner in my life? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a big difference from where I was 15 years ago, where I struggled with having a conversation with Al. Yeah. Right. Right. The conf- It sounds like the confidence you've gained a lot of confidence in yourself and your ability to communicate, have increased your emotional intelligence and um, push yourself in those ways to, to have those hard conversations. Yeah, definitely have. Uh, It's been, it's been a journey. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to hear a little bit, you know, you mentioned Brooke, who is your metamor, Brad's other partner and a a very, very close friend of yours, it sounds like. Um, You've talked about her a little bit, but could you expand a little bit on what your relationship looks like and how how that works for for the three of you? Because in some ways, like people might look at, well, if you're a super close friend to her, what is what is the difference there um, from a relationship with her? And instead of just a friendship, I guess. Um, so more like what is the relationship between the three of you look like? Well, so let me, let me back up and say that when Brooke first came into the picture, when Brad first told me about her, in all honesty, I struggled. And again, it's going to sound like how could I have two partners and he not have two? That's not fair, right? It wasn't a jealousy thing. I don't believe jealousy is an overt emotion, and you have to dig down deeper to determine what's beneath the jealousy. Really, what I identified was I just didn't know her, and I didn't know what she was going to bring into Brad's life. And so that's where I really struggled when they first started dating. Um, Once I met her, once we started talking, It was very interesting because one day she said to me, why are you so nice to me? And I said, because this is the way it's supposed to be. And it was a very interesting conversation. And I realized that's really how it should be. We should be kind to each other if we're both going to be involved with this other person. Over time, my level of compersion has increased dramatically to the point that I'm very excited when they go out together or when um, she's actually going to see Brad tonight. She will call me on her drive down to go see Brad. We will chat the entire time. She'll stay overnight. She'll come back tomorrow. She'll call me tomorrow on the way home and tell me, um, pretty much not the details, but what their night was like and what kind of conversation they had and if he was doing well or not doing well. So it really becomes we are all so vested in each other to make each other the best people we possibly can be. And that's really what we're after. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very interesting. Uh Brooke and I actually did a Thanksgiving surprise for Brad, where we we actually planned for about six weeks a surprise threesome for him with the three of us. He had no idea, and he had only seen us together about two or three times, and he came home. Brooke was already at his house, and I was there, and he came home and was shocked to find us both there. Didn't know what to do. Didn't know what to say. We took him out to dinner and then over dinner told him about our plans and had him sign a contract that he could say no at any point and there would be no hard feelings. And so, yeah, he. I think he was still in shock about a week later that this even <laughs> This was 100% Brooke's idea. And in order to effectively pull this off, her and I had conversations probably three times a week about her expectations. What did she want to have out of it? 
what was her idea, what would be the ideal situation for her, what would happen if Brooke, if Brad said no, how are we going to handle that? We went through every single detail we possibly could, and it was amazing. Wow. So that's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing that too. It's beautiful. Um, do you have more questions on that before I switch? Well, topics? I assume Brad enjoyed the surprise. Just a simple he, yes she, or no. She said she he was in shock for like. Well, a week. shock, shock. <laughs> you can be in good shock, and you can be true, in bad shock. True, true. That's true. <laughs> he was. He was literally in. It was good shock, but he was definitely in shock. And Brooke was telling me just last night at dinner that when she went and saw him a week later, he said, were you really okay with this whole situation? And she said, it was my idea. Surprise. (laughs) 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 So I, I'm a big believer. I don't push anybody into anything. It has to be full consent. Brad is all about consent, 100% about consent, which is why we had him sign an agreement up front that he was giving his full consent to be able to do this. So we wanted to make sure he knew he could say no at any point. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, switching topics just a little bit. I, well, a lot, actually. I, I wanted, you seem like someone that is pretty, um, I guess, vocal in, in your life. And how open are you about your non-monogamy journey with people in your life, your family and other friends? <laughs> so my family lives in Minnesota. I am not very close with them. I left home when I was 18. I go back and visit once every two years for about a week to 10 days. And that is it. And so I am not close with my family. They do not know anything about my life from this perspective. If they ever listen to this podcast, they will be shocked. I will tell you that. Um, my family that I consider family out here in Utah, where I, they're all my friends, are very open. 90% of the people I interact with are in the lifestyle, um, swinging or polyamory lifestyle. Um, Even at work, people know that I have more than one partner, and so I'm pretty open with that. My kids know that I am very much involved with this. We have a very open relationship with my children in that I talk about all the difficult topics parents don't want to talk about. I've had the conversation with with them about what kind of condoms do you need to use of what fits you because I don't know what your penis size looks like and you have to determine what that is. So one night, for example, I ordered three variety packs of condoms and then sat the kids down, the three of the kids down and we divided up condoms amongst the three of them. So Isaac as an 11 year old could get used to what a condom looks like not necessarily how to use it because I end up finding um, water balloons and squish balls all over the house made out of condoms. So (laughs) yeah, Dante was very embarrassed. Slippery water balloons at that. Slippery water balloons. Yes. Dante was very embarrassed about mom. I can't believe you're doing this. And then a week later came back and said, can I give some of these to my friends? And I said, absolutely, as long as I'm not, I'm not known as the condom distributor, right? So this is Utah. We're a little more conservative here. Um, so my kids do know that I have multiple partners. They do know um, I had to explain to Gabriella just the other day what swinging meant. And she was like, why would anybody want to do that? So then I was trying to explain to her why people would want to actually go through and do something like that. She has a 12-year-old mentality with a 20-year-old body. So it becomes difficult trying to explain on a 12-year-old level what is, what this is. Um, well, it, it sounds like a very open approach, yet maybe just shy of putting in porn and, and then yeah. t- telling them to go to bed if they don't want to watch it. So. I definitely do not do that. I will be the first to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get mm-hmm. it. Well, yeah. I mean, this has been an amazing conversation, and I, I, I imagine Emma as well. Appreciate yes. the, the vulnerability. <laughs> you don't even know what I'm going to say. I know, but I'm going to agree right. with you. <laughs> Excellent. I'll say whatever I In want. In this instance, <laughs> I appreciate the vulnerability and and just the openness with us and. Wanted to give you the opportunity here um, before we let you go to share or to to talk about anything that we haven't asked about, anything that you haven't talked about that you want to make sure uh, that you do get out there, and then we can let you get on with your afternoon. Well, thank you. I would say, you know, it's very interesting as as I've been doing my life coaching with specifically in the non-monogamy space. What's very interesting is I hear from a lot of women, they really struggle with their partner being with someone else. And I really try and help them to determine where does the struggle come from. And a lot of times it's their own insecurity. They really are feeling so lost in themselves and not knowing what they want that they almost approach it where. I want to know what my other partner is doing because they validate me. And really what I want to approach with women is you validate yourself. And I realized that over time as I've matured, I validate myself. And it's not about having another partner in my life or not. It's more of I, I'm comfortable with who I am. I'm comfortable with who Brad is. And very comfortable with who Brooke is. And together, that's what makes it such a great dynamic between the three of us. Mm -hmm. And I have a very good friend right now who she um, is struggling with her former boyfriend who was trying to get into polyamory as well in a not a very effective way. And their relationship ended up dissolving. And she keeps blaming the other woman. And I keep saying, no, you didn't have the difficult conversations in your relationship with him. That's where the problem comes in. And I think a lot of us, and I'm speaking from experience, I didn't have it in my first marriage. I didn't have the difficult conversations. And I wish I would have. And maybe maybe we wouldn't have lasted as long as we did. But maybe we could have done it better. So, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. And, and that's a hard thing. Like you'll never know, but right. Oh, yeah. I will say Christy did me a favor in taking him off my hands. I will just say that I say it all the time. I say it to my kids all the time. She did me a favor and you know, it's very interesting. She, um, likes to tell my kids about my history and how I, what my infidelity was like with their dad. And I say, if you want to know the the story, the details, I'll tell you. I have no shame in it. I will tell you because it made me who I am. So if you'd like to know it, let me know. Um, But you know, vulnerability is a very interesting term as you use that. It's actually one of my value statements. So being respect, number one. I don't believe in love in a relationship. I believe in respect. And once respect has gone out of a relationship, your relationship's done. You could still love the person, but it's over. Trust is my second one. And I think trust leads right into vulnerability. And then ultimately beneath all of it is communication. And so this is what I lead with with every relationship I have. If you can't believe in these values, then we can't be committed to each other. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Deep, huh? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But it's so important to think through. And yeah, thank you so much for everything that you shared. Um, I do have a question. You mentioned a coaching business that you're starting um, or working on. Do you have a way, what's the best way if people are interested in that to reach out to you if you're comfortable sharing that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's called Loving Life's Choices. And so they can reach out to, that's the email address, lovinglifeschoices.com. 
Mm-hmm. And they can reach out to me that way. And I do specialize, like I said, in the non-monogamy space. I actually went through an internship where I did, I coached people in the non-monogamy world. And I still have clients coming back to talk about as they are going through this. It's been very fascinating. Some people decide it's worth it for them to stay in this area. Some decide, no, they need to go and move into a more monogamous role for their life. And I do coaching in other areas as well. Financial coaching is one of my specialties as well. But the non-monogamy is very near and dear to my heart just because of my history, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, links to your website and email will be in the show notes so people can find them there as well. Um, anything else? Oh. Well, thank you, Chris, for your time, for everything that you shared. Uh, we had a wonderful time talking to you and hope you enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Nice meeting you guys. And we're back. A huge, I thought you were going to say it with me. I know I tricked you. I took a, <laughs> I took a breath and, and, then, then, you and then I let you go on your own. <laughs> a huge, huge thank you to Chris for coming on and sharing your story and being so vulnerable with us. It was amazing to talk with you and we're excited to get your story out there. Yes, thank you. And thank you as well for putting us in touch with Brooke so we could get her story out there as well. So thank you to both of you. And we're just excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. A quick reminder to go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. There you can find information on our Patreon community, information on our upcoming virtual meet and greets, uh, and our upcoming trivia nights, as well as our in-person events in Southern California and San Francisco at the end of March and early April. Also on our website, you can reach out to us, send us a voicemail, send us an email. We'd love to hear from all of you, and we'd love to see you at these events, too. Uh, yeah, obviously. And <laughs> virtual or in person? All of them. Both? You're allowed to come to all of the events. Yes. There's no restrictions. Nope, not at all. All right. <laughs> the last thing we wanted to do is let you know that uh, our favorite affiliate partner, stdcheck.com, is still our favorite affiliate partner. It so is. If you are out there meeting people, getting out there and hooking up, yeah, mingling, yeah. mixing it up, meeting and greeting, jiving. <laughs> What other euphemism? I don't know. I don't know. Just keep going. Boinking? Is that no? Boinking? Probably not. All right. No, that's. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that works. So you head over to our website. You click on the resources tab, and you will see a list of our favorite resources. And stdcheck.com is one of them. It using these links does support the show, so we greatly appreciate that. You also save ten dollars. It is the easiest, the fastest, in our opinion, the best way to get tested for STIs. A 10 panel test is about $130 when you use the link and you get your results in about two days and it's amazing. Yes. That's all you need to know. Get tested, know your status, be an amazing sexual health advocate, and we will forever be grateful to you. Yes. Go check it out. Also, this coming Friday, we have another Focus Fridays episode. Oh, man. Sticking with the theme of sexual health, are we? Yes, we are. Hint, hint. We have an amazing conversation with Mila, who is uh, from One Condoms. Yeah, the director of marketing at One Condoms and My One Condoms comes on to talk to us about all things condoms, uh, how to use them, how to avoid using them incorrectly, how to make them comfortable, some hilarious stories, some fun. It's just a great conversation. So we're super excited for this and we're super grateful to have that connection. We also have a whole conversation around custom fit condoms. So you're going to want to check that out and listen. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And then next. I thought I said that. Did I not say that? You didn't say custom fit condoms, I don't think. Custom fit costume condoms? Yeah, I don't think so. Don't We're know. in rare form today. I don't know if it's that rare. I think we I don't just think hide it. We I don't hide think it's it that well. rare. <laughs> we hide it well. So anyway. Next week, we also have our regularly scheduled episode. As we already mentioned, it's going to be with Brooke, who is a metamor to Chris. So we're excited to get that out there. Come back and listen. Do you got anything else? I don't. I'm all set. I'm just going to stop talking because everything I say seems to come out dumb. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.